Hello, hello, hello. Episode four of Pelvic Pain Matters. My name is Carl Monaghan. I am one of the founding members of Pelvic Pain Matters and the owner of the Pelvic Pain Clinic. And as always, I'm joined by uh, specialist pain physio Tim Beams, also a founder member of Pelvic Pain Matters and uh, owner of Tim's School of Pain. Is that how we, we call it? Is that your School of Pain? Yes, so, yeah. Tim's School of Pain. <laughs> a new project that Tim's setting up to help mentor people with an interest in pain, I believe. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Boost the, I just want, I want to well, spread love, <laughs> but I just want, yeah, I want to to help people to to improve their knowledge, understanding and feel competent and confident and uh, be able to pass it on to the patients as well. So, yeah, that's Tim's School of Pain fantastic yeah check it out we'll put a link in the in below as well and actually there's a familial theme here isn't there in terms of language and communication um that we're going to be covering today and i think we should probably start off with an explicit language warning that where there is going to be some colorful language used um just in the way that people communicate their own symptoms the presentation of pelvic pain um it's very difficult when talking, I, you know, whenever I reflect on pelvic pain and our language, just the English language itself, and try and think of expletives or swear words, then our attention is drawn down to the pelvis for many of those descriptors as well, isn't it? Totally. Yeah. So what we, we're shouting out, warning for anybody who's going to be offended by certain words, expletives, swear words, etc. Might be a couple of bombs. Yeah, yeah, but there is. <laughs> we're doing this for a very, very good reason. We're not just doing this for a, a bit of fun. There is a really, really important message that we're having here as well about the way that we communicate around symptoms, um, around body parts, around function. Sometimes the awkwardness, the uncertainty, the maybe the taboo nature, the way the individual feels. You know, if a patient is trying to tell a friend or a family member or a healthcare professional about what's happening in their trouser department, then it can be very like, what what do I use? What do I say? I'm I'm a bit stuck for words. And unfortunately, there's lots of crass, um, less pleasant words, shall we say, for the male anatomy. Yeah. And it's a funny thing, isn't it? Because we've both got young children and there's absolutely no worries about finding the right word for them. Um, Mm -hmm. So at some point in our ageing we we start to become kind of self-conscious don't we and yeah and and I mean one of the things that we want to put across there is that that isn't necessarily a helpful thing as well you know if you are experiencing certain symptoms you know there's something going on with you and you're struggling to communicate that with someone or struggling to find the right words or embarrassed to communicate that with someone that that you know that can be problematic so yeah we'd like to do you know to start by um clarifying things you know making things a little bit clearer um helping the person in pain out but also helping the clinician out so try and put you both on the same page absolutely yeah spot on tim and i'm reflecting on what you're saying here about my elbow or my shoulder or my back or my foot 
And I don't think I'd have any problem discussing that with anyone, you know, from the person at the at the post office to someone I've just randomly met on the street. I don't think I'd have any issues in using language to describe what's happening in any other body region. But when it comes to the pelvis, it's a different kettle of fish. It is, yeah. And then and then we've got the complexity of who you're communicating it with. So we've sort of said communicating with your health professional, but then there's your friends and your family. And, and I mean, something that I'm abundantly aware of as we just start this conversation is, is my friends, my male friends in particular, there's absolutely no problems with them making fun of, you know, male anatomy of different functions. Um, you know, that's almost at the heart of the humour, isn't it? I mean, humour doesn't really evolve that much from the age of about two. Um, and uh, but, but then you come out of that sort of friendship circle or perhaps that you, you are experiencing something that isn't quite right or is a bit different, and, and that does change that dynamic. 100%, yeah. And I've got um friends i've got someone like a a parent or a grandparent for example but then i've also got a boss or a colleague a co-worker something like that if i'm taking time off of work because my pelvic pain is really in- affecting my ability to work and i need to go to hr or to my line manager or to my boss uh like we're going to give some what we might call as universal or maybe safe terminology um, that you can use to boost your confidence and maybe make that conversation that much easier because it's going to affect, you know, pelvic pain is likely to affect your life in so, so many ways. Yeah. Yeah. So should we, should we get going? So we're going to sort of think about some terminology here, aren't we? Mm. So um, you've already used, you've dropped a couple in, haven't you? Like right at the beginning, you said the trouser department, yeah. which I, ha- I have to say is actually one of my favourite expressions. <laughs> the, and, and I did hear it last week from a patient. And he was saying, well, I've had a few problems in my trouser department. Mm. And we both knew exactly what he was talking about. Well, did we? Uh, yeah, the ambiguity of it. The uns- I mean, the trousers are quite, I mean, most trousers... You might wear a culotte or a shorter trouser, but yeah, is that the ankle? Is that the knee? But we know where the patient's where the patient's talking about, don't we? Where they're talking about, yeah. But but it doesn't, it, you know, it's a starter, isn't it? It's not making things clear. It's just saying in and around. And we said that about the pelvis because that does. But, but that you know, give me a little bit more detail. Here. <laughs> yeah, the trouser department um, was something, and and whilst I'm thinking about the same person, um, <laughs> so thank you very much, by the way. Um, but but he was talking about problems in the marital de- department. Mm, yeah. So you know, he was a great example of someone who you know he was finding the right language for the two of us to make sense of what he was experiencing. Um, and I, I look. I think I just love hearing that. Like, like it really. I'm like, oh, okay. So this is where we're going with this language. Um, it gives me somewhere to start. But, but I do think we can do a little bit better. We can be a bit clearer. And many people are very clear, aren't they? They are straight down the middle. Yeah. You know, there's no messing. We're talking about my penis, my anus. You know, talking about sex. So, um, yeah, I want to break into song now. <laughs> Fill your boots. <clears throat> oh, sorry, clear your throat, I should say. 
it is. And, you know, even for clinicians, whether you're brand new to treating male pelvic pain or, or you've had years and years of experience, giving the patient giving the patient room and space and encouraging them maybe with words, nudging them in the direction. Um, patient of mine today uh, in Australia um, was talking about number twos and he followed it up pretty closely with, oh, it sounds a bit babyish and a bit childish, but we both knew what number twos were. So again, there's a common ground. We knew what was going on. But when, when, the, when the male patient starts to feel uncomfortable, then often they might start to use terms like, and that warning, explicit warning, I'm going to use some explicit words here as well, but things like cock or dick or shitting or crapping, you know, I'm going through my mind at the moment and thinking of the number of different ways that I've heard the perineum being presented from a grundle to a smelly bridge to a notcher to a gooch. You know, there's all kinds of words and terminology that we do have for the male anatomy. Brilliant, isn't it? Mm. I mean, it's amazing. So, I like as you're saying this, and and there are certain expressions that people won't have come across. And if you're the clinician and you're listening to this, if you if you do hear something and you and you don't know what it means, where do we go with that? You know, what would be what would be your advice for some for someone in that position? Yeah. So, from a clinician, I'm sure of where the patient is expressing a concern around then we let's 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 have a level playing field here are, are there terminology is there terminology are there words that are more common and universal that we could perhaps use and as a patient sorry as a clinician it's okay to ask can i just clarify here are you referring to this area and maybe you might need to have an anatomy um diagram or maybe a model that again you can point to as well just to really really clarify this for both yourself and for the patient the uncertainty of not knowing what either of those two parties is communicating can be the difference between success in recovery <clears throat> and uncertainty and uh, uncertainty and ambiguity in treatment as well totally yeah yeah and and just you sort of i you know put in my sort of I, thoughts around that as well is being on the same page, understanding each other is is integral to that relationship that you're fostering. And, and particularly if you are talking about an area of your body that you are feeling uncomfortable with, you need to be <laughs> even more closer, don't you? You need to be on that same page. So, yeah, I think it's important, as Carl just said, um, clarify my understanding is this am i right you know is that accurate yeah, and if not please you know tell me where you know. and and even the terminology as you were saying would you know what would be the best word for us to use here you know what do you feel most comfortable with so so there are different ways about going about it totally yeah thank you tim uh, i've got a number of non uh I've got a number of patients globally and also here in the UK that English isn't their first language. And again, it's so, so important if I want to give the best possible service and they're uncomfortable and they're uncertain about the language that they're using, let alone the geography about where they're describing their symptoms as well. Mm. Take time to clarify, take time to really make sure that the patient knows what you're talking about if you're a clinician and the clinician knows what you're talking about if you're a patient to get the best possible care. We could call this also helping to build a therapeutic alliance here, can't we? Coming up with terminology and language that's universal between the two of you to really, really help each other out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
So, so with the terminology, you talked about safe or, or shared terminology because there's, there's medical terminology and some medical terminology, I think, is uh, not just accurate, but is something that is common parlance. It's, it's, it's common to everybody. They, they understand something like the penis yeah. would be, you know, this common language, but perhaps a word like defecate. Mm. you know that starts to do, do you really know what that means and and yeah so so should we come up with a, a sort of what what would be the best term a safe list a common language you know some ideas of language that people could use i think so yeah totally common themes or universal language something that's safe something that <clears throat> is clear and not ambiguous. Yeah, defecation is quite a big word as well, isn't it? And if you are, for example, non-English speaking and you're trying to pronounce that, then that can be a bit of a mouthful as well. Um, it's not the first word that would spring to my mind if I was describing to someone yeah. around um, bowel habits, should we say. Is there, there's a safe place to go, isn't it? Bowel habit. Bowel habits. Yeah, bowel movements. I'll often use bowel movements as, a again, a universal language bowel movements even bladder movements or voiding the bladder or voiding the bowels yeah yeah and then if we wanted to it's just taking function and, and going with that um what about somewhere halfway uh, as so an half, example sorry sorry half, not halfway between a bowel movement but somewhere <laughs> between the sort of that terminology and, and more of a colloquial term pooing Pooing, yeah, that, that, and that's something I, again, I would know what that means. I think that as patients and listeners, everyone would have an idea what pooing would mean. Yeah, and, and I'm thinking, you know, urination might or urinating might not be as common for some people to use, but but we, yeah, yeah, might be, you know, sort of safe space, isn't it? I'm hearing my two year old from today, wee wee daddy, and he's <laughs> just done a big wee on the um, carpet. So, <laughs> Well done. Yeah. Um, um, what, so just carrying on with function, because there are other functions as well. Pelvic pain can affect things like ejaculation. Totally. Yeah. And we said we were talking about this before we came on. Um, ejaculation is a is a, I, I feel a universal term that clinicians and patients, loved ones or even um, co-workers or, or bosses would understand as well. Mm. Yeah. And and what about a middle ground for that? Uh, I mean, then then we start to get onto things like coming or jizzing, and yeah. that sounds a bit more urban dictionary kind of response. And there's lots of um, interesting terms on the under the urban dictionary, That's right? Spunking, um, yeah. Um, but to, and I we're going through this list, and I've got a small. So I feel kind of warm uh, inside thinking about this because because language is just so fascinating to me and it, it, like as we just start to unravel this I mean there are gaps in our language mm -hmm. English is our first language and there are gaps in our language so why or how could we ever expect someone like you're saying you see a number of people who have English English as a second language as I do mm. um, you know finding that common place is so so important isn't it and maybe that commonplace is in the more colloquial term as well i think so yeah 
ejaculation or is there another term that you've got in mind there no i don't i mean i'd have to go on the dictionary to start coming up with more um extravagant terms than than the ones that we've proposed there um, so from a function point of view are we talking um ejaculation uh, you've mentioned pooing and weeing um or bowel movements bladder movements voiding urination defecation always feels a bit uncomfortable for me to say i don't know why it feels a bit spiky urination tends to roll off the tongue a little bit easier and i know what that it is defecation there might be some uncertainty around what that may mean i suppose from an eighth may maybe and i'm being very broad here and maybe a little bit presumptuous but maybe for someone who's slightly older the older generation maybe defecation might be something that is spoken about don't know yeah and we don't know what the younger generation would say either, do we? So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's long behind us now. Um, so what, and then body parts. And they're, they're sort of really common body parts that you hear about, aren't they? We've already mentioned them. Penis, anus or rectum, um, scrotum, perineum. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, they would probably be the, the sort of most common body parts that you hear that people are uncomfortable sh- sharing it. Um, yeah. But then there's also you mentioned scrotum there. That's really, really interesting. And then I have had a number of patients with testicle pain recently. And it's like, OK, well, let's break this down. Is it the scrotum? Is it the skin? Is it the testicle or the testy, the actual um, orchid, if we're going to go really anatomical here? Is it the, the fine, delicate tissue around that? Is it the epididymis there? You know, we can we can really break down that in terms of understanding where the patient's experiencing that. So then that's really helpful as well. I know it may feel a bit uncomfortable if you're a patient trying to explain to someone where you're feeling it, but knowing the difference maybe between the scrotal skin, the external, the testy in the inside, and then the fine, delicate fibres and the tubes could be the difference between a generalised treatment or something much more specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you've kind of, I mean, it, we're sort of alluding to where we can go in future podcasts, but we would like to talk about assessment. And, mm. you know, quite clearly we have some ideas of where you can go self-assessment there. Um, just figuring out your anatomy can be really helpful, can't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I've got two other things to kind of reflect on here. Someone said to me the other day, they're getting symptoms in their pelvic belly. Okay. And I was like, okay, let's, so where are you experiencing that? Can you describe it to me or can you show it to me? And it was the area beneath his belly button where his pubic bone was. So that was his pelvic belly. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. I get that. I totally get that. Mm -hmm. Uh, A non-English speaking patient, as in it wasn't their first language, was describing their pelvic bone as their tailbone. So again, pelvic bone, but he was pointing around his, towards his, coccyx his tailbone his sacrum so again let's just get some clarification here where do you mean by by pubic bone or pelvic bone it's actually pelvic bone was the way he was describing it mm-hmm. so yeah tailbone coccyx sit bone yeah which would be a bit different to pubis which is obviously completely the other side mm. yeah um sit bones is another one isn't it whilst we're on bones you know the knobbly bits that you sit on uh, um the is- ischium isn't it something yeah, like that tuberosities um, <laughs> my anatomy serves me right um yeah uh, so so and then we've got if we just stay around that area we've got the anus the rectum we've got the perineum and we've got different ways of 
pronouncing these areas as well, haven't we? Um, perennium, perineum, again, yeah. that, that, that's, a, that's a potato, potato. Exactly. So if you hear it one way or another, that's okay. That's Ooh. cool. Just check. Just make sure, make sure you're both singing off the same song page. So, so vitally important. I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's, as a patient, I know this can be a little bit awkward, but it's really, really helpful for both you and whoever you're speaking to, to be singing off the same song page. Totally, yeah. Um, and then if we come round um, to the penis as well, because there, there are different parts of the penis that people describe experiencing pain in as well. Um so the tip of the penis, the head of the penis, um, shaft of the penis. Um, have you got a sort of safe language? Is penis the right place to go or would you go somewhere else with that? I've always used the word penis. I think it's safe. There are, <clears throat> should we say, more colourful words to use there. But And even if a patient starts to use those words, I might always just, I'll stick to penis. So they might refer to it as a dick or a cock. I'm going to use the language that I would feel more comfortable myself using. And actually, they then settle in and they find actually that's comfortable for them to use. Um, but yeah, there is things like the helmet, the glands, but tip of the penis for me, um, again, is a universal language. Everyone knows where that is. And, and again, guess what? This is my thumb, just to let you know, but I could point to it on my thumb and say, look, this is where the tip of your penis would be in terms of the anatomy. Yeah. Or a diagram. Again, diagrams are incredibly helpful. That's it. That's it. And I'm just thinking we've missed one thing off, haven't we? Which was sex. Uh, sorry, no, there's two things that I've mi we've missed off. Sex and farting or passing mm. wind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which right at the beginning we talked about... Um, uh, the having problems in the marital department um so and it might not just be um sex with your partner it might be masturbation as well that you hear people um experiencing pain during um yeah have you got safe places to go with that i, I mean in my childish humor i want to say hanky panky and leg over and even sleeping with is a euphemism isn't it and but but it's something that in particularly in English we love to to um, to, to use these expressions. We love to beat around the bush, don't we? <laughs> and then I want to go with the jiggery pokery and um, dalliance and sexual relations. And there's a number of different ways that we could go there. Um, I mean, we could literally just do a whole series on just colloquialisms around the the male pelvis, couldn't we? That's a separate podcast. Yeah, sexual activity. Um, and then I will talk about penetration versus masturbation. But um, there might be oral sex. I was having a conversation today about the difference in terms of comfort at the tip of their penis um, based upon oral sex, masturbation and penetrative sex as well. So, again, having clear terms that are universal and easily unpicked without any ambiguity can be very, very helpful there. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and then I just said that there was one other uh, function as well that we missed off, farting. Mm, yeah. We're going back, we're, we're full circle now, aren't we? Back to the, the two-year-old humour in us. Um, Definitely, yeah. And, and, and look, 
let's be honest, there is nothing funnier than a fart at the right moment or <laughs> someone pretending to fart at the right moment. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just going back to where you said, we're, and we're going to go back to where we st- where we started from. And actually, you know, if we go in terms of our own development, we are arseholes, aren't we? We we develop as an arsehole to begin with. That's where we develop from. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so should we sort of summarise where we've got to and and why we got here as well? Um, I mean, the, the the sort of idea behind the this episode was about communication and safe communication, and and with that in mind, the idea of how we communicate as uh, someone in pain to both our friends and family, and also the health professionals out there, but also as the clinician, how you communicate with that person in pain, and and how we find that shared space together. Mm. Yeah, totally, totally. So should we revisit some of the terminology and some of the the function again? Um, so from a functional point of view, passing wind would be the would be something I'm I'm comfortable using. Um, I do maybe just to reiterate that sometimes I say and let's get really schoolboy about it, maybe farting in case I'm unclear here. Um, but passing wind, um, uh, bowel movements, urination ejaculation we talked about sex as well didn't we yeah so that would be something like masturbation penetration uh, and sexual activity and under sexual activity it's a bit of an umbrella so there may be like i did with this patient today in speaking about oral sex you may delve a little bit deeper into are there um um have you found with sexual activity that there are particular practices that are likely to be more comfortable or less comfortable for you? And if you're okay to describe some of those, then that would be fantastic. And then you're not, then you're not inquiring necessarily about someone's sexuality. You're not making presumptions. You're not putting the person in, in an uncomfortable position. It's neutral language at that point as well. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And then some safe, safe language with the body parts as well. Mm. so tip of the penis shaft of the penis and then the penis itself you know to to go more globally the testicles would be collectively both together and then you could talk about the scrotum you could talk about the testes themselves um perineum or perineum i have no issue in either but i would always clarify just to make sure that we're singing off the same song page there um and space, i don't know whether we did did say this but is the space it's the skin between the anus and the and the testicles isn't it yeah that's it yeah and, and again just for clarification that's that's do you mean the space between yeah um rectum and testicles as well yeah Uh, rectum or anus i always use rectum um but there are anal sphincters it depends on the individual and again we could really get nuanced and talk about the depth of the sensitivity or the pain itself as well yeah yeah um i've really enjoyed today's session um (laughs) thank you very much (laughs) Uh, what's the plan for the next one then yeah, no, thank, I've really enjoyed it as well today, Tim. And you know what? what's really, really important is we're doing this podcast to bring more awareness around male pelvic pain as well and to make it safer and more communicative for, for everyone who's either dealing with it or interested in it. Um, carrying along on this theme, we're going to talk around flare-ups and the communication that we can have around flare-ups 
is it the right word or terminology to use in the first place? Mm. Are there other terms that patients come up with? How common are they? What is a flare up? Yeah, we're going to start to unpack that. And I'm pretty sure that most of you who are either treating male pelvic pain or experiencing male pelvic pain yourself or living with or, or caring for supporting someone would know what a flare up might mean. But we'll leave that until next time. Brilliant. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. So as always, this is Pelvic Pain Natters. My name's Carl Monaghan. Been joined by the wonderful Tim Beams. This has been episode four, talking about the language and communication around chronic pelvic pain and chronic um, prostatitis. Please do feel free to share this with anyone who you feel might enjoy this. Share it across social media. Um, do like and subscribe to be able to be kept abreast of our next episode. Keep an eye out or an ear out, perhaps, for our Friday night takeaways as well. Um, it's been a real pleasure, as always. Until next time. Brilliant. Thanks.